When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everybody. It is time once again for Courtside with Christy and Gabe. I am Christy Winter Scott, joined as always by my guy, Gabe Ibrahim. And we are here to chop it up about the WNBA playoff race that is heating up. Some teams have already clinched. Some teams are crabs in a barrel, but Mm -hmm. we are here to break it all down for you today. Gabe. Oh, my goodness. I I can't with all of the ins and outs of what this playoff push is coming to be. Yeah, no, it's it's been a lot and it's been interesting to um, really delve into it. I I think so. I asked Mike Tebow last weekend about for some wedding advice and getting married next week, which means we're not having a show next week. Uh, If you want to be reminded of that, (laughs) you should follow us at her hoop stats on Twitter at Gabe underscore Ibrahim on Twitter and follow Christy on Twitter at Christy W Scott 51 and on Instagram where it's all hoops all the time with some <laughs> of her kids. Okay. So that's our plugs, but so I'm getting yeah, married next week. Uh, I'm at no shoot. I'm getting married this week. This um, week. This oh week. my goodness. Here we go. Don't remind me, but <laughs> Mike Tebow gave me some prescient advice that when the going gets tough, the tough go scouting. And I got to say, I haven't watched more tape of the WNBA. <laughs> this should be before this week where the tough really got going for the wedding. I was watching tape. So it's good advice here from, from Tebow. Um, and, and luckily we've had a lot of really good basketball to talk about um, and a lot of really interesting things going on, especially at the bottom of the playoff race where it seems like no one wants to, the eight seed. Absolutely. No one wants to, to win that mm. playoff spot because everyone continues to lose. Um, and then also at the top with uh, one of the best teams we've seen, um, you know, every year, I feel like every year we had a sort of dominant team mm-hmm. and this year we thought it was going to be the aces, mm-hmm. but it's turned into Connecticut. It really um, has. They've won nine straight to 21 and six last night. Uh, they, they kind of were in second gear, for most of this game against Washington and then, you know, kind of punched it uh, in the, in the second half. Yes. But Christy, you know, there, are they your odds on favorites right now? Absolutely. And I think, excuse me. And I think maybe two weeks ago because, and not a flex or anything like that, but I'm just telling you um, I'm an AP voter for the WNBA Mm -hmm. and the power rankings come out every Tuesday. So two weeks ago, 
when they were going on a, a little bit of a run, I'm like, man, watch out for this Connecticut team. And I, you know, I, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot more bold um, in terms of not caring what people think about my yeah. opinion on things. So clearly um, in that one, I'm not sure of how many voters, I think it's 15 or maybe a little less than that. But I was the only one to have Connecticut at number one that week. And then the subsequent week, a couple of people got on board. And now how can you deny the fact that Connecticut is a front runner the way they've been playing defense? I mean, they are the top team in defensive efficiency in the league. It was 93 prior to the Mystics game last night. And I'm sure it's still there because of the way they were playing defense. I mean, they got to the glass, which was it's something that they do well. They lead the league in second chance points for a reason. And offensive rebounding was handled mm-hmm. by both of the Joneses, Brianna Jones and John Quill Jones. But this Connecticut team, and Mike Tebow said this best uh, prior to the game yesterday in D.C., he said this Connecticut team knows their identity and they play to their strengths. And I thought that was giving them the utmost respect because you can know what personality your team has, but sometimes you you veer away from it mm-hmm. and that's what gets you in trouble. But this Connecticut team has won nine games straight and tough games. Like they, you know, Mystics were with them in that first half last night, but separated themselves in the second. It was a 19 point lead midway through the fourth before Washington went on a 9-0 run for the, the 10 point uh, conclusion. But they were just insanely long, insanely quick, and incredibly efficient with their style of play. And it started on the defensive end. I mean, Kyla Charles had this block that I nearly, I don't know, broke my headset on <laughs> leaning back because, I mean, they have such strength and speed and length. And those three things are hard to come by. When you have a team that has four players in the starting lineup who have been on the all defensive teams in the league, and not too many teams can say that you can have some all stars and, and, and some Olympians, you know, when you're looking at a team like Phoenix with those three in the starting lineup. But when you have four players that have earned accolades mm-hmm. on the all defensive side, I mean, you have to understand that's why they are, one of the best teams right now in the league. And like I said, have won nine straight because of it. Yeah, uh, I think, and, and, and you're right though. It starts all on the defense. And I, I love that quote about how they just know exactly what they're about, um, which is interesting because I thought this season, and of course we make this mistake every year. And I said, I said at the beginning <laughs> of the year that we make this, we make the disrespect CT mistake every mm-hmm. single year. And this year I was trying to hedge against that saying like, oh, you know, I think they have a chance at contending because they don't have Alyssa Thomas. And it just turns mm-hmm. out that, you know, the, the team is very adaptable. Yes. Um, I think one, one of the things that could be a concern is that they don't have a ton of um, creation from their guards. Brian January and Jasper Thomas are, are more defensively focused. However, it really doesn't matter if you have John Cole Jones on the floor. <laughs> Like that's what we have come to realize this season. Um, we were talking before I, to me, she's my outright MVP. I've been there for like two months now about, mm-hmm. about John Quill winning MVP. Are, I think you're there as well. John Quill winning MVP. Most recently. Yes. And I, you know, when I saw James Harden play a couple of years ago, when he was named MVP mm-hmm. in the NBA, you know, during the season, I was like, I hear you, you know, let me, you know, just make sure of my opinion on that. And it wasn't until, you know, I was on a, a Wizards game and saw him live. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, okay. for sure, it's James Harden. So now seeing John Quell live <laughs> last night, I am totally on board with her being MVP this year. And no shade to any of the other well-qualified, dynamic WNBA savants who are just, I mean, excellent at their craft. John Cole Jones separates herself because she's 6'6". She can put the ball on the deck like a 5'6 guard. 
but then she can dominate inside like she's six nine. Coach mm-hmm. Tebow said that last night. She played like she was six nine. I mean, they were doing their best to box her out, but she was like picking low apples off the tree. Uh, it just barely, it shouldn't yeah. even leave the floor, Gabe. And I mean, she just has such an advantage. She's long arms and just great timing, impeccable skill set. I mean, she modeled her game after Kevin Durant. And I see so many similarities live mm-hmm. with what she does, even almost the style of her shot, like the mechanics is very eerily similar to a KD. And you know how tough he is at 6'11", 7 foot, yeah. you know? So it's the same kind of conundrum in terms of matchups. I mean, she can put the ball on the floor. So do you put somebody smaller and quicker or do you put somebody bigger, but then she can get by. And it's like, man, listen, it's a nightmare to try and match her. And if you double, they have players who can knock in shots and it's, you know, it's a beautiful um, problem for Kurt Miller <laughs> to create for other teams. It's tough to solve, but John Quill Jones for me right now, MVP. MVP. I mean, to, and it's been, for me, it's been all season because mm-hmm. she, so she not only is she draws like direct comparison a lot, but honestly, I don't think that captures a lot of what she does. Cause she also plays uh, like a big's big pretty often on mm-hmm. defense at least it sometimes comes out on offense i think on this team she has to have more of a more of an outside in um offensive game just because brianna jones is really good and we'll talk about her in a second but she also can guard your liz cambage right she can right. bet she can bang down low with the best bigs in the league sylvia fowles you know go, go down the list Tina charles you name it she's going to get down there and be physical with them. I think that's, that's something that Durant can't really even do. Not because he's, he's just like, that's not his body type. Like he's yeah. not as, he's not as built up in the air in the same areas that John Quell is. And I think, um, you know, may, maybe I'm theorizing here playing with Brittany Griner and Emma Misaman in Russia for the last two years, I believe. I don't know how yes. long they've all been together, but that helps because you're practicing against those bigs who, may, who have to make you stronger. So to me, you know, she does, she does all of these things. We're talking about her on-ball defense, what she does on the offensive end, her help side defense. That's really where I think you see that, that KD yeah. um, comparison, that sort of it, it's the defense is all structured around her. You know, these guards, if you let them be aggressive, they're going to be aggressive. So they all push out, they all get into their matchups and they know if they get beat, I guess what? You have to score on John Cole Jones at the rim. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. She yeah. had three, blo- three blocks last night, two steals. Just one of one of the best performances um, we've seen on the defensive end all season from her and, and this Connecticut team who is just nasty. I mean, not only are they really, really good sound team where they – you know, they do their, they do their scrams well, where you have a big switching where there's a switch and the guard switches out with the big again, they recover really well. They talk really well, but they're also just like mean, they're mean. And that's a good defense, right? Like when you're, when you can get into people and make them uncomfortable, that's what really makes a great defense. And then another aspect of this um, that has been talked about a lot is Brianna Jones. Um, Yeah. She's gonna. I don't think there's really a comp- competition for most improved. No, um, an award that both of us would like to see renamed to to sound, you know, because it just sounds kind of bad. Like, oh, you improved the most. I think it should be biggest leap or something yes. like that. Like you made you made a substantial improvement in your game. And Brianna Jones, incredible this yes. year, averaging fourteen point eight points per game, um, just seven point three rebounds. 1.3 steals per game, which is interesting for, yeah. for someone at her size. Uh, but what have you seen from the Maryland Turpin this year that maybe wasn't in her game before? Or is it just an opportunity thing? I think it, it mirrors the Maisha Hines-Allen equation yeah, from good. last season and how, you know, with people opting out, now it's next player up. And Maisha Hines-Allen stepped in and became all-league player. I think with Brianna Jones, it's the same kind of deal. Last year, there was no John Cole Jones on the floor. And I think that really gave her an opportunity to gain valuable experience. And that experience has afforded her 
to step forward this year. I mean, she shot 71% from the floor last night and 10 of 14. She was amazing with everything that she was doing. And uh, Paul Evans, the statistician who does a lot of NBA, WNBA, was over in Tokyo for the Olympics. He handed me a, a sheet of paper during the game and said, Brianna Jones was in the game 18 minutes while she was in there, plus 18 efficiency for the team. And the two minutes, Gabe, that she was out, a negative 10 in the two minutes that she was out. So she ended up last night with a phenomenal 31 plus <laughs> minus number. I That's mean, good. That's good for on. the people at home. <laughs> come on. Really and John Cole Jones, like we're, we're raving over John Cole Jones shooting 71% also 12, 17 from the floor, two of four from three. She had a nine plus minus. And so we're raving about John Cole Jones, which is uh, rightly so. She is MVP. I get it. But look at the uh, the plus minus. That's the first thing I look at on the stat sheet. And tell me something different. And I know it doesn't always. A lot of people have their issues with whatever plus minus means. But I, I have I have issues with plus minus. I know you do. <laughs> That's why you said it. <laughs> but thirty one though. I mean, with her on the court, yes. Connecticut is a is a tough sure. team to guard. Like without her on the floor. You can do so many different things defensively, but with both of them on the floor commanding the glass the way that they do, I mean, it's, it's a tough cover. That's a tough cover. I mean, they combined for 24 boards. John Quell had 14 and, and Brianna had 10. Both double-doubles. John Quell had 31. Brianna Jones had 22 points. I mean, it's that, I mean, 53 between them, Gabe, that's a tough combo to contain. No, it is. It, it, and it's it's interesting, too, because, you know, we talk about Vegas all the time. We talk about how they hate shooting, how, how they hate shooting threes and how the spacing mm-hmm. is off. But then you watch Connecticut and you watch both these teams. Both these teams are awesome. Like we get. So I think um, the Twitter verse gets a little <laughs> too concerned about spacing and right. threes and having the efficiency. And like that stuff's really important. But at the end of the day, you're still playing basketball. Uh, I think we lose we lose that sometimes. Yeah. Um, because you look at this team sometimes and there's sometimes like four people in the paint. You know, there's like, it's like Kyla Charles in the paint along with Brianna Jones and John Paul Jones. Yeah. And, you know, there's Dewana's trying to make a move into the paint and guess what? It's all cluttered, but you have the tallest arms and the biggest bodies. If you have those two things, look, basketball can be a very complex sport. Sometimes it's extremely simple. Sometimes it's being bigger than everyone else and, and being able to go up and get the ball over other teams. Right. Um, so I did, I do, you know, we, we've done a Connecticut love fest here before. I want to get into kind of some of the things that are, are weaknesses, you know, what, what are the things that do we think they can keep this up? I mean, obviously it's, it's a tough sell. They've won nine straight games. I don't think they're going to slow down anytime mm-hmm. soon. Let me, let me check their future schedule to, to tell you what's, uh, what's ahead of them. Yeah. They have Dallas, LA, Phoenix, New York, Atlanta, uh, I want to talk about Phoenix later. So Phoenix game is interesting, but right. it doesn't look like they're going to sh- slow down too much, but where, where do you see teams being able to beat them? Because I think one area that is a little concerning is that a lot of their wins come in these sort of defensive battles yes. where they, they grind you out, you know, yep. they just take away your shooting. Um, they just kind of sap the energy from you. I call this in, in, um, in college football, I like to call it a crock potting, you know, it happens all the time when teams play Alabama is like, you know, they'll, they won't get a big lead early. They'll be up by like, you know, a couple touchdowns, same with, same with this team. Like they'll be up by like eight points, you know, just right. kind of moving along. And then it's, and like a crock pot starts bubbling and you start to see the bubbles yeah. and then you start, and then by the, you know, by the end of the game, you have a fully cooked meal and you're up by 20. <laughs> and that's that's what they do to teams. They crockpot you. They just wear you down, wear you down until the end, and then they can just make enough buckets to win. But the issue is, is can they do that all the time? Because I think when they're when you have a team that has a hot shooting night or a hot shooting mm-hmm. stretch, you can mm-hmm. beat them because they don't have quite enough um, offensive creation, especially if you're able to bother John Paul Jones or get her into foul trouble. Right. I mean, first of all, I love a good crock pot meal. So there's that. But <laughs> I think I think what you're saying is valid because 
with John Cole Jones and Brianna Jones combining for those 53 points, there were no other players in that mm-hmm. Washington game who scored in double figures. So the balance on the offensive side, I mean, if you could somehow take those touches away, and a lot of those came on the glass. I mean, John Quell and, and Brianna combined for 13, oh, is that right? No, I'm sorry, 11 offensive rebounds. Yeah. So, I mean, those are those are tough. And they're right in there. I mean, they carve out space down there, Coach Tebow said. Yeah, they carve out space and they have a size advantage. And they have great hands and they finish well right at the rim. And that's where they should be. So that's where they go, which is another reason why he said they understand their, their identity as a team. But what can you do to disrupt Connecticut? I mean, I think I was saying this on the broadcast last night that you have to apply some more pressure to the guards. Mm-hmm. And for as much as you say, well, we've got to play this way in terms of post defense. And yes, the ball is going to come in there at some point. I get it. It's not never going to go in. I get it um, in terms of entry passes. But if you can somehow disrupt the rhythm of the guards in terms of getting mm-hmm. the ball inside for touches and understand that when the guards take shots, you've got to, when the ball is in the air, check a body off. You've got to box out. And, and it's easier said than done. And I get that. And I know Coach Tebow said there were some cross matches and sometimes some guards were trying to box out. John Quell and Brianna didn't work out very well. And I get that too. But I, that's, to me, what needs to be done. And I think when Washington beat Connecticut in the finals in 2019, what they also did was get their bigs in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. If you remember yeah. that, um, you know, attack them. So it's not always about uh, defensively, how do you disrupt, but also on the offensive end, how can you disrupt them, make them uncomfortable as a defender? And that means to attack them somehow. And last night, an offensive key for Washington was to swing, swing, score. And whether that's a swing, swing, three, or a swing, swing, catch, rip, and go, um, you know, you have to you have to get creative and really make the defense work. So there are a lot of different things that you can do to try to disrupt Connecticut. But Jasmine Thomas, after practice yesterday, she was saying that this team is is hungry and that has contributed to this big run for them in terms of consecutive wins. And for Connecticut, she said they still feel the bitter taste in their mouth from the 2019 season yes. and, and the runs that they have had in the finals. And in the playoffs. So they have, she said that they have enough in terms of players who still have that bitter taste in their mouth and players who have actually won it, like a Breon January, for Mm -hmm. example, um, to be able to rise to the top when they need it. And, you know, right now they are looking scary good as the playoffs approach. Uh, Yeah. Connecticut as a franchise has a bitter taste in their mouth from anything that has happened in the past three years, it's kind of been their whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it works. You got to give Kurt Miller credit. It definitely works. Oh, he got his 500th win last night. So, or, well, I don't know if those 500 now I'm going to go check on Twitter. Um, I think it was 500 seems like a lot, right? 500. Uh, and the W uh, wait, cause I know Tebow is all time. And I think Lambeer is might, right behind him. Yeah, 400 career wins. Okay. As a coach, including Connecticut, Indiana, and Bowling Green. There we go. Yeah, I was going to say, it has to be, was, it's not WNBA wins because he yeah. hasn't been coaching that long. But yeah, combined, Bowling Green, he was killing when he was there as a head coach. So yeah, I definitely, wow, 400 career overall, college yeah. and pro. I love it. No, it's, it's good, good for him. Um, the so, but the point you brought up that I think is the is the thing that I would try to do the most is to get Brianna Jones into your high pick and rolls. Um, you mentioned getting them getting their bigs in foul trouble. She averages three point one personal fouls per game. Mm-hmm. John Call averages three point two personal fouls per game. However, I don't I don't want my guards having to like she can guard my guards in space. I'm right. fairly confident in that. Um, I think a lot of her a lot of her fouls come when she's actually in help defense. So you want to keep, you want to keep John Quell in help and then keep Brianna on the ball as much as possible. 
Problem okay. with this is, is like Connecticut doesn't really need to switch because their guards are just so good at navigating a pick and roll that you mm-hmm. can't, it, it's hard to get that matchup and be able to attack it. Um, right. so I, I think you just got to, yeah, try it as much as possible. And I think for Washington specifically to go back to the game last night, it, it becomes a lot easier when you have Landell done, right? Yes. It becomes everything in life. Like that goes across the, your, yeah. your life things. Everything's easier when you have Landell done, but especially in this scenario where a team's going to have to stick to her popping out more so than they do with other players. And that it's been true for Tina Charles, but teams have kind of said to a certain extent, like we're going to let that happen. We're going to let her three point shooting happen because we can't, right. we can't let her get into the paint like she has been. So with the land Deldon, it becomes a little different because of how good of a three point shooter she is and how almost if you leave her open, it's almost guaranteed. So if they have that, they have land Deldon, or if you have other bigs across the league that can, right. that can pull that guard into a switch it's going to be really beneficial to your offense. I think that could be an Achilles heel, but the thing is, man, like this team just, like I mentioned, they just wear you down. They just wear you down, wear you down, wear you down until you don't have anything left. And, you know, in the playoffs, like, yeah, some teams can go off and have these amazing shooting nights, but typically in the playoffs, your shooting's not as good as it was in the regular season, you're, True. you're not scoring quite as much as you were in the regular season. And right now I just don't see the offensive juggernaut that can really, really um, score at will against Connecticut. Maybe, maybe there's a, a chance for Chicago to do that or Phoenix or Seattle, um, but they don't do it consistently enough for me to, to say, Hey, like, yeah, this team can do it. Um, right. Do you want to talk about Phoenix though? I do. I do. I I just, first of all, Skylar Diggins-Smith since the Olympic break has been insanely good, right? I mean, Incredible. Sky, hey girl, hey, wow. I mean, just almost a triple-double last night against Chicago. I think she was two rebounds shy of that. Mm-hmm. She was two rebounds shy of a triple-double last night. I mean, but just phenomenal. I mean, Chicago came in there hot winning three games in a row and Phoenix just had their way. Was it 103 to 83? I mean, that was, I think they had five players in double figure scoring for Phoenix and they knocked in 13 threes and they were just phenomenally connected. I think when you have a team with that level of experience, number one, and knowing that they fell short in the playoffs last year, they're hungry too. And, and speaking to what Jasmine Thomas said with Connecticut, I mean, they have a bitter taste in their mouths, but they're mm-hmm. also experienced. They have like a level of experience that is a, a notch higher than what Connecticut has in terms of years of service mm-hmm. in the league. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. You can't quantify the emotion of that. So that's, that's non-statistical. That's emotional. And that's tough to coach against, <laughs> but it's wonderful to coach with. When you mm-hmm. have players who are dialed in that way, who are hungry and sense of urgency is on point, I don't care what play you call, they're going to make it happen. And I've seen it. I've felt it, you know, uh, you know, as a player and a coach and what that feels like. And you know when it's there. You also know when it's not. But it's something that you can't measure, but you can clearly see it. And it's evident when when it's there. And right now, Phoenix is playing like that. And I credit Skylar Diggins-Smith since the Olympic break. I mean, she didn't play a lot of minutes in the Olympics. And she has not missed a beat coming back into the fold in the second half of the season. And, you know, for Ariel Atkins, it's, it's been different for her after the fact. But also, if you take away Tarasi and Griner, now Skylar Jenkins Smith is going to be drawing different kinds of defense. And that's what's happening with Ariel Atkins drawing yeah. a different level of defense with the absence of Tina Charles, the leading scorer in the league and Elena Deladon. Well, and also you bring up Ariel Atkins. I'm sure that Skylar Jenkins Smith is looking around saying, Oh, Ariel Atkins played more than me in the Olympics. Let me show you guys. And, and look, you know, we, 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 yes, I, I, th- I feel like sometimes we make it up, but, 
I absolutely know for a fact that this is the way Skylar Diggins-Smith is wired. That's the type of player she is. That's why she's so great. Uh, in yep. the past, you know, really four games, connect, uh, Phoenix has won seven straight, won seven straight games. Um, you know, not the best competition, right? Like Atlanta, mm-hmm. Indiana, Washington, um, without without their without their players. Atlanta, mm-hmm. New York, New York, Chicago. So not the best group of teams they're competing with. That Chicago game though was really impressive because Chicago's coming off their two big two biggest game wins of the season. Yes. And they were and it was really close. And then it just kind of felt like Scouting and Smith said, Okay, that's enough. You know, she yeah. just kind of took over the game mm-hmm. and she's been she she's been able to do this at times. It just feels a little different in the past four games where she scored 20 or more points in all of them. Mm-hmm. That it feels like this team finally is clicking in the way that they envisioned when they first signed Skylar Diggins Smith and, and brought together this big three of Skylar, Brittany, and Diana. And I think a big chunk of why it's starting to make sense a little bit more is because Kia Nurse is playing fantastic basketball. Um, she is. 21 points. She's being exactly like everything you need from the player in her role is, is perfect for what they're going for and still know Bria Hartley. Um, so I, I think this team is just finally coming together for the first time in, in a few years. And they're finally understanding how to play with each other. And it's just going to be, you know, Skylar's having this big four game stretch. Now what they're mm-hmm. going to need going forward is teams are going to now adjust to, to give Skylar more attention. Well, now it's going to be Diana Taurasi's turn or it's yeah. going to be Brittany Griner's turn to yeah. take over and, and be the offensive engine. And they have, that's the beauty of having all these offensive engines uh, is someone can just say, I'm going to take it over and do what Skylar Diggins Smith did last night. And Hey, maybe, maybe it's just Skylar um, doing this for the rest of the season. I do, you know, this is a stupid theory, but it's not. Never. No, it is. So <laughs> okay, <clears throat> I think they're getting hot a little too soon. Mm. You don't want to be, you don't want to be at your best right now. You want to be at your best in about a week or two, you know, I hear you. You, you don't want to be your best for right now. The thing mm-hmm. is they, they do have a really, really, really favorable schedule. They go at Indiana for two games at Atlanta, then home for Connecticut for the last game of the season. They've already clinched the playoff spot. Yeah. But because of this easy schedule, they could easily hop Minnesota for the four seed and get a bye into mm-hmm. the second round. Um, I don't think they're going to end up getting ahead of Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. so I do think Seattle is going to stabilize here. But so they're they're fighting for the fourth five spot, and right now I'd give them the advantage just because um, you know. Hey, shouts to Indiana. Indiana's frisky. We mentioned this on the last time yeah. I talked about Indiana. Indiana's real frisky. They just beat LA. Yeah, uh, and it, it won't be easy, but I think Phoenix has a really good matchup for them. I think they'll be able to get past Atlanta, and once you're there, I, I think you're looking good, especially with Minnesota's schedule coming up. So yeah, I, Phoenix is interesting to me. Do you think they have a championship upside? You know, I, uh, Richard Cohen and his uh, WMBA dissected article was talking about how these sorts of runs don't typically happen. Um, you know, you have to be kind of in that four and up range to get to the finals. Um, so do you think Phoenix has a has a run to the finals potentially in them? I'm not asking if they're going to make it, but do you think they have that in them? I think they will always have it in them because Diana Taurasi is on the roster and she's healthy and playing. So there's that. But outside of that, they just need to have consistency. And I think we've been saying that for a while for Phoenix. Now, are they capable? Absolutely. Are they consistent? Sometimes. And sometimes they're not. Like they have five players in double figure scoring. And not that they need five every night, mm-hmm. but they've got to have three or four every night who are double figure scoring. Um, they're knocking in their threes. I mean, you, you spoke about Kia Nurse. I mean, she was four for six from three and Tarasi five of 10. Those two right there. Like if they can do that, and that's saying a lot, like, you know, five for 10, I mean, come on from three, four for six. That's like, that's tough. But if they can 
manufacture that kind of efficiency from range, I think that is going to be the telling tale because if they're knocking in shots like that, good luck stopping Brittany Griner. If you're going to focus on taking away the three, now take away Griner inside. So they have that kind of complement to her dominance on the interior. So if they can have tremendous offensive firepower from the perimeter, that's going to be the key to them jumping ahead to a fourth or three seed. Uh, you know, that could be a possibility, but can they be consistent from the outside? Can their perimeter players strike double figure scoring night in and night out? That's the challenge for Phoenix. And it can't just be one or two. It's got to be, you got to have some, at least, at least three. Okay. At least three perimeter players for Phoenix need to be double figure scoring for the remainder of the season. And with Brittany Griner, you know what she's going to do in there. So, I mean, obviously she has to stay consistent, but I don't think she's been inconsistent (laughs) at all. So, I mean, that's, that's just where I am with it. I, I just think that there's, there's always a possibility because of Tarasi, but I also think tactically speaking that they need to continue to keep things loose around Griner and how do you keep things loose around grinding? You're not getting outside shots. Yep. Well, and I, I am a little bit worried about the um, backcourt depth. I love Shea Petty. Shea Petty is one of my, mm-hmm. one of my favorite stories in this league. Um, I think she's, she's in an outsized role um, mm-hmm. for herself in, in Phoenix. And that's really due to the circumstances of not having Bria Hartley, you know, Megan Walker, not really being up, up to snuff. So she, she's playing a little bit too much, but she's playing well. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not overly concerned about it. Um, but if this team gets Bria Hartley back, just to get, you know, it'd be like seven players here that you can really, really trust in a playoff situation. I'm including Shea Petty in that because mm-hmm. I do trust her in a playoff situation. See last year um for for Phoenix when she hit the game winning shot against Washington. So right. I would say getting Bria Hartley back puts them into a championship contender into my mind um, if she's healthy and ready to go. But for now, I'm just kind of enjoying it. I want to see how I want to see where it goes, because this is a team that I really had high expectations for to begin the season. Um, And they haven't, you know, it's been up and down a little bit, especially with Tarasi's injuries coming back from the break though. They look fantastic. I think they deserve a lot of credit. They're finally looking like the team, that they envisioned and that team that they envision if they have everyone healthy can make a can make a deep playoff run but for now i i may i may be still um favor the the links in sort of that sleeper category just because the, the links have been you know it when the when the links are healthy and they have sylvia fouls it's a special team and also Correct. i didn't really look at their schedule before talking about phoenix schedule so they have minnesota has uh, Las Vegas, and they have three games against Indiana and then Washington, D.C. to end the season. The Lord knows who's going to be playing for Washington, D.C. at, at the end yeah. of the season. I don't know. Right. Um, right. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy with Phoenix. I think if you're a Phoenix fan, you got to be happy, but they really got to be pressing for that four seed because that would be – that'd be huge to only have to play one um, single elimination game. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think with Bria Hartley, that that's the X factor, right? And I know mm-hmm. their fans are called the X factor, yeah. but she's the X factor too for Phoenix. But, you know, just kind of digressing for one moment, like Alyssa Thomas. I mean, she was running around prior to the game yesterday and, and looked very spry game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And I'm not, I did not hear any news, but I saw with my own two eyes and she was moving very well. That's all I'll say about that. But Bria Hartley would be a key for them. You know, if they can, again, add to the offensive firepower from the perimeter. I mean, she had a career season last year across the board. Percentages were up, points per game up. Everything about her game was amazing last year and and unfortunately had that ACL injury um, and, and that took her out. And I, I just think that if she can come in and, and be another provider of offense, that could be so dangerous for opponents. Because again, now you have Brittany Griner in there and yet another weapon striking from the outside. 
Well, and perimeter defense for sure. And uh, defense as, as well. Absolutely. Get, getting her on the floor defensively. And, you know, it is, it's a tall, it's a tall task that we're asking from Bria Hartley. And I don't think anybody would be mm-hmm. um, surprised or disappointed or, or anything if she can't come back this year. Cause yeah. you know, it, it's a tough injury, especially to rehab in this uh, climate, you know? So I, I don't, I don't want to put pressure on her from us saying like, Oh, you have to play. But it, if she does, it pushes them to a different level. Sure. Um, so, I mean, a lot of interesting things happening in the league with Minnesota, with Chicago. I think both of those mm-hmm. seem really interesting, um, and we will have to get into them at some point. But I want to talk about the playoff, the eight-seed race, um, yes. because no one wants it, um, <laughs> except maybe Indiana. Is Indiana alive? Because, no, I don't think Indiana is even alive. Yeah, I don't think Indiana is alive. But Indiana is winning games. Uh, the teams battling for eight seed are not winning games. We have Washington, Los Angeles, and New York. Uh, all three of them lost last night. Washington lost to Connecticut. Fairly excusable loss. New York lost to Minnesota. Again, pretty excusable, except when considering the fact that uh, Sylvia Fowles and Leif Clarendon did not play for Minnesota. So I'm right. guessing that's one that New York wanted back. And you saw the frustration on Sabrina's face at the end. Yes. You know, she couldn't kind of will them to victory, but it didn't really matter because all those teams lost. And when everyone loses, nothing changes Uh, (laughs) at this point. Let me check the 538. um, The they have the their um, playoff predictions here. I'll let you know who's in there. So uh, the wings are here. I'm rolling. (laughs) The the wings have a 96 percent chance of making the playoffs. because they play Atlanta twice and, you know, they already have the leg up on everybody uh, heading into the end of the season. And as I've mentioned a couple times, basically you really need to get the bare minimum this year is going to be probably about 14 wins that lines up um, with the historical winning percentage of 44.1% win percentage to get into the playoffs that has been there for um, pretty much every season in every of the, each of the last five seasons, 44.1% goes up or down a little bit, but so you need to win at least 14 games. Uh, Dallas at 11 and 15 has a good chance of getting to that plateau fairly quickly. So 96% chance for the wings. Um, although I know wings fans are right now saying, please don't do this to us because this happens almost every year <laughs> that they're shooing to make the playoffs. Somehow they don't make it. Yeah. They missed um, by one game last year. Yeah. That, I mean, they almost got in, but didn't. So, so yeah. Then the team that has the next best odds to make the playoffs. So that'd be the seven seed, the wings, the eight seed, according to 538 would be the Washington mystics, 49% chance to make the playoffs Liberty at 38% chance sparks at 16% chance. Let's start with the sparks. <clears throat> I think I'm ready to uh, declare them dead and I hate to do it. Hate to do it. Love the Agumakes. Love Christy Tolliver. I don't think they have nearly enough offense. Uh, losing to Indiana with their remaining schedule at this point is a death sentence because they really, really do not have any easy games left. And they just, you know, it, it, some of it's not their fault because they're injured. Yeah. But they they just can't get the offense in line and they're playing against teams that are going to eat you up. If you do not have a good offensive game plan or enough creativity to create baskets. Yeah. They're struggling. I mean, they've lost four in a row now and Derek Fisher, I know he's frustrated when they were here in DC. I mean, Neka Gomake is, is trying her best (laughs) to manufacture offense and it's physical down there. And she, probably wants to get to the line a little bit more than she has over the last stretch of she, games. She and probably deserves to get to that line a little bit more than she has in the last few games. That's that's yes. And it's frustrating and not that that would make a difference, but maybe it would. I mean, with their chances, I know losing to Indiana by two and not getting to the line for NECA, maybe eight to 10 times. I mean, that could make a difference right at the end of the day in a one mm-hmm. possession game. So Maybe it could make a difference for them. But I just think, like you said, I, uh, the depth issue for L.A., I mean, they they just haven't seemed to 
to gel properly. And I think um, Cedric the Entertainer said this about um, Luther Vandross and his uh, Jerry Curl that it wasn't curl quite right. But some people will get that. Some people will laugh at that. You'll I know was wondering. Like, yeah. I was wondering where you're going when you were like Cedric the Entertainer. I was like, I don't think Cedric's ever made an appearance on this podcast. No, well, he did today. But he, you know, he said about Luther Vandross. So about his Jerry Curl wasn't quite curled all the way. I mean, it was curl, but it wasn't quite right. Um, but yeah, that's just how I think. Um, the LA Sparks are right now. I mean, it's it's curled, but it's not quite right or quite tight in terms of the offense and and the depth and the consistent play that they need to have, um, especially now fighting for a spot in the playoffs. And you don't want to be trending that way. Same with New York losing five in a row. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be trending that way. But we're talking about a team like Washington. Like you said, they they have a 45% chance of making the playoffs in that eighth spot. 49. 49. Oh. Thank you. See, 49. I, I you know, uh, it wasn't quite right my thinking on that. But I think for Washington, I mean, if they can get Tina Charles back healthy and uh-huh. Elena Deladon back into the fold down the stretch here. Oh, man. I mean, that that is just so intriguing to me, Gabe. And I, I think I, I'm, I agree with them, the, the 538 folks, that that could be that could be the eighth team. But right now it's crabs in the barrel, you know, with New York and L.A. losing Phoenix clinched last night. Uh, four teams have clinched mm-hmm. in uh, Seattle, Vegas and, and Connecticut. But Minnesota's about ready to as well. So, I mean, the spots are being taken up. The spots are being taken up. And if that doesn't create a sense of urgency and playing your best basketball, <laughs> I don't know what else needs to be said or what play needs to be drawn up. Again, going back to the emotion of the moment, the sense of urgency piece. I mean, you don't you don't have to uh, say much to these no. professionals about what lies in front of them. And the opportunity for Washington is is right there. If not if fully healthy, if fully healthy. That's the thing. And I'm just so tired, you know, <laughs> just so tired of saying if fully healthy and if I this know. person comes back and if it's just I like, know. you know, at some point uh, in this team, they, they did it against Dallas. Yeah, that was one. That was uh, a heroic performance from Natasha Cloud and Man. from the, the, the mystics at large to win that game, because honestly, they lose that game to Dallas. I, I had it. I had it in my notes at halftime. I said, if they don't come back, this season's over. I, I put it. I was like, in, in my mind at halftime, that was the season. There's a really great story about Pat Riley in the, 20, the 2006 finals. Pat Riley, who has made several appearances on this podcast, um, <laughs> writing on, on the blackboard during the 2006 finals. This is the season. And mm-hmm. I feel like it, that's not something that Tebow does. But it was the season right there in that Dallas game, and they got it, and good for them. But at some point, you just kind of have to, and they're to their credit, they think like this, like you got to win with the people who are here. The people who are here have to be enough. And frankly, the people who are there should be enough. We see it. We see it in flashes. We see it when Natasha Cloud can go off and just score 20 points and get the whole building rocking. We see it when Ariel Atkins is shooting really well, getting to her spots and being a defensive menace. We see it when Maisha Hines-Allen is getting into the post and scoring on people like John Paul Jones and Brittany Griner. Like it happens. Look, they got enough. Yeah, right. It's like at some point you just got to say we have enough. And I get the big rotation for Washington is the thing that, um, you know, to me really is holding them back. I, I love, I really like Erica McCall and Terry's Plaisance as your backups. I don't like them when they have to start because it, it, it's just a little bit too much for them, especially when, you know, it, Erica McCall is walking around like bionic knee. So it's like, it's just like, and she said she's getting used to the brace, but man, it it can't be easy. It can't be easy playing with that brace. So your big rotation is just so shallow without your two, the two best players on the team. Right. And you know, they're not going to use an excuse. I think they just have to put it in their minds. Like this is the team we got because relying on, you know, EDD's health right now, just isn't a great idea because it, no. it's been two years off, and you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to say, hey, you gotta come in and be a, a superstar. It was great that you, she did it for a couple games, but that's a lot to ask for someone. And I think that for Tina as well, like 
first off, they were already asking too much of her. That was not the role that she wanted here in Washington. And then on top of that, to just come right back in after missing five games to come in and start winning you games on her own is going to be a lot. So they, they, this team has to get it together on their own. And that's my challenge for all of these teams. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you want to make the playoffs, you got to do with what you got. New yeah. York, New York, you got enough. Let me tell you, New York has enough. And, and New York's an interesting situation that if they don't make the playoffs, they're going to have the best lottery odds, uh, which is an interesting yeah, I think they're they're they they feel like they're playing with house money to a certain extent, right? Um, because they won two games last year. But I think they I think these you have to have enough in the in the team, right? Like, yeah, we can't we can't rely on someone coming back. We can't rely on, on Sammy Wickham coming back and being one hundred percent. You know, we can't for Los Angeles. We can't rely on Chanel Gumake being one hundred percent because it's just not going to happen. So at this point, you have right. to put it in your mind. It's us. We we're right. all we got. We're all we need. Um, <laughs> and all of these teams have. A brutal schedule. The three teams I just mentioned, Washington, New York, uh, Los Angeles, brutal, brutal schedule going down the stretch. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think I agree with you. I think Washington is a fav- is my favorite to make it um, in part because I do think they'll get those players back. But, right. And, and in part because I believe in my Shens Allen, Natasha Cloud, and Ariel Atkins. That's the future of this team. They got to be they got to be the future of yeah. this team. And I think they will. I think last night was actually pretty encouraging for that. It was. And I mean, if you're talking about a player like Shatori Walker Kimbrough, who just signed along with Megan Gustafson for the remainder of the season, but for her to start the last eight games and play the way that she has been playing, like on both sides, yes, her offensive prowess has been impressive. I mean, last night against Connecticut, I mean, she was four or five from the floor, made both of her threes, got to line eight times. So she was very aggressive. She was in attack mode. And she said, after the game, she said, I watched film from the Dallas game and saw that I was playing very passively and decided to change that. And who knocked in the first shot of the game? Shatori Walker Kimbrough with mm-hmm. confidence. And I think that she also said it best um, post game last night that, you know, yes, we have injuries. Yes, we have Elena and Tina out, but no, no one's going to feel sorry for us. So we can't feel sorry for ourselves. We've got to go and play. And we have opportunities because we have games in front of us to take care of what we have to do. And yes, you can depend on other teams losing to give yourselves a better chance. But once you start looking around at what everybody else is doing, you lose focus on the task at hand. And the task at hand is to play your best basketball right now. And I think that's what Washington is is keeping in front of them. And yes, you're going to side eye, of course. I mean, you're jockeying for for that eighth spot and possibly seventh. I don't know, but jockeying to get in. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're going to glance, but that doesn't mean you're 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 stayed on the other lane of this race. Like you yeah. got to stay in your own lane. You have to do your best with your skill set. And I mean, let's talk about Natasha Cloud. I mean, we were already talking about John Paul Jones for MVP, right? Brianna Jones for most improved, right? How about Natasha Cloud for a defensive player of the year? I mean, she takes the toughest assignments night in and night out and not because coach says, hey, you're going to take, she said, let me take the top players. And I'm sure Coach Tebow assigns her, but at the same time, you know, your players are going to have to want that Mm -hmm. type of challenge or else you're not going to, as a coach, you're not going to put them there. But Natasha Cloud is incredibly confident with her defensive skill set. I mean, she held Juana Bonner scoreless in the first half. That was her match last night against Connecticut. And ultimately she was, she ended up two of 10, or I'm sorry, two of 12 from the floor and one of six from three. So this is Juana Bonner coming into the game, averaging 16 and she held her to seven. So this is a player that is is disruptive. Leilani Mitchell has said as much in some um, post-practice or or post-game comments about how she has disrupted Diana Taurasi, on how she has disrupted now Duana Bonner, and just so many players down the list, down the list. But she wants that that challenge. So that's what it's going to have to come down to. And Ariel Atkins, I mean, she was amazing last night as well, like six to eight from the floor, four or five from three. So she got her shot back for her 16 points. And, and it was really good to see that because we had already discussed how she's going to get different defensive attention in the absence of Deladon and, and Charles. So 
for her to step up the way that she did and to stay aggressive minded, that's great stuff. I mean, she didn't get to the line either. We're talking about NECA not getting to the line. Ariel Atkins didn't get to the line either last night. So, but she was aggressive with, with hunting her shot, no hesitation on her releases, good speed and lift on the, on the early lift of her shot was really pretty to watch last night as well. So they have enough, like you said, and Maisha Hines Allen, I mean, she was incredible as well. Another double figure scoring uh, performance by her 16 points. And they just need, they just need, they just need to stay consistent with that. And it's their bench play also. I mean, Plaisant's only play like seven minutes, um, mm-hmm. but they, they need everybody. They need everybody. And now's your opportunity. And I know coach Tebow has said this as well. Like, Hey, you, you've discussed, like you want to play more. Here's your chance. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hey coach, how do I get more playing time? Play well. And then, <laughs> you know, like we need you right now. And, um, Natasha Cloud said that she has charged the team with, you know, we go as we go. Right. right? And especially, I think she said that to Maisha Hines Allen at halftime of that Dallas game before they had that avalanche of offense and, and that one point win. So, I mean, as long as, as they're holding each other accountable to what they can do, I believe they have enough. And Coach Tebow says he's realistic. You know, we don't have Tina Charles and Elena Deladon on the floor, but he was proud of the effort that they put forth against a team like Connecticut, but they just didn't have enough firepower with the fire that they played with. That makes sense. They they didn't have, they don't have enough. They don't have enough right now um, to really compete. I think they have enough to make, you got, you have enough to make the playoffs. I think it's a message to all these teams. Like you got enough to make the playoffs, go make the playoffs, but to compete, there's a chance that they'll have that. Um, it's just right. something that I'm putting out of my mind right now. Cause if you keep thinking about it, if you keep putting it in your mind that, Oh, you know, this person, you know, this person, and, the, and this team has been excellent about that. I yes. asked Mike Tebow, I asked Mike Tebow almost every time I go in, how's the team dealing with the latest catastrophe to happen? And he's always like, they're taking it well. I'm always surprised when yes. I come in and they, and they have the, the, the smiles and they're, you know, they're joking and they're having a good time, it, it, you know, so it, they have the right mindset. Um, and they'll, we'll see what happens, but I think Ariel Atkins has to be better. As you mentioned, she, she needs to make more shots just flat out. There's games where she kind of disappears, uh, and doesn't take shots. And I think she just needs to get those out. Like I really just have a miserable game and miss like 20 shots than not take them. Um, but I do, she, she deserves a lot of credit. Six of eight last night against Connecticut. Um, huge, huge. If she gets her shooting going, I think Sabrina Nescu also deserves a shout out last time we talked. I challenged her. I said she was not playing good enough. Um, and you, I would have said it to her face. To, I'm sure she would have She would have said, hey, I'm not playing well enough. And now she is. She got 17 points last night, uh, mm-hmm. six assists, seven rebounds. Not a great shooting night, not a great turnover night, but she's attacking. She's attacking. If you're attacking as that point guard, you can do a lot. So shouts to her. Um, and shouts to Nia Coffey in Los Angeles. Great little stretch for her. Great yes. little stretch for her. She's doing, she's doing what she can in there. And, you know, it's, it's sad that they don't have, they can't take advantage of her current play. Um, mm-hmm. and, and surely some of her current plays because of injuries, but shuts her. She's doing really well. Um, same in Dallas. I don't actually, I, I Dallas is up and down on a weird team, but I love their team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Marina Mabry is, we, we have to have like a long discussion about her because <laughs> when we do, when we do like most improved, she's going to have to be on the list there. Um, yes. but yeah, those four teams just, no one seems to really want it. Um, the last thing I want to say, because we have not mentioned Atlanta at all in this podcast, only as like a walking mat, they are two and 17 in their last 19 games. Oof. Crystal Bradford uh, is out for the remainder of the season, which is brutal because she was one of the bright spots on this team. Just yeah. like, I don't know, just got to get out of the season. For Atlanta. Yeah. We're on to the next, the next thing. And then, <clears throat> They're an open book next year. So that's all I want to say on those teams. I want to make sure we hit everyone because <laughs> um, we already hit on frisky Indiana. They're frisky. We did. So, they so are. Find Indiana. They're frisky. They're frisky. They'll get you. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's all I got, Christy. I need to uh, yeah. get on the road to head to my wedding. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. This weekend. And it's, uh, it's a little nerve wracking. So um, oh you guys want to hear. You guys won't hear from me next week 
Um, but that's 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 that. We have to go now. No, now I'm getting nervous. Oh no, you'll be all right. We can stay on the podcast longer if you want to. <laughs> just, uh, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting the hook. You're not quite, hook. not okay. quite married yet. Got yeah, to, well, we're gonna get there. Wife, a happy wife, happy life. And what did Coach Tebow yeah. tell you on the on the presser? What do you say? When the going gets tough, the tough go scouting. So if I'm there watching, if I'm watching tape on Twitter <laughs> this week, you know what is happening. Support me, please. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. I have to bring it back together. I'm dying right there on that one. I love it. I love it. I am so happy for you and your fiance, soon to be wife. The next time we are back on here, Gabe, it has been a fantastic conversation as always sitting courtside right here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast network. I am Christy Winter Scott for my soon to be married, Gabe Ibrahim, we'll see you next time right here on Courtside. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.